I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Coming at you, Slick Vic live in there, and you know I be Slick Vic King. Oh, don't rock that Bartez, not tomorrow, but coming at you live. You better get yours, I'm going to get that boy Slick Vic. Got oh yeah, it's one more time, it's time for a State of Miami podcast. I know it's been a while, and man, you can't come into any kind of Miami podcast without some of that jam Pony Express. Shout out to Slick Vic, Master K. Uh, rest in peace to the bodyguard, Big Ace, all that good stuff. It's your boy John Michaels back. Hit me up on social media at John Michaels U. You can follow the podcast at State of Miami Pod. Uh, special shout out to everybody involved with the podcast. As always, some of the sponsors today, Indeed, Bet Online, and our guys, Stickers by AB. Uh, you've seen the stickers out there. He's got new stuff going. He's got the turnover chain looking one. It's called the Chris. That thing is fire. I'm telling you guys, they're awesome, unique, high-quality, Miami-inspired stickers that you can stick anywhere. Check out stickersbyab.com. That's S-T-I-C-K-E-R-Z by AB.com. Use the promo code State of Miami, and you can save 15% off your entire order. you got to get some today. Stickers by AB, the only place you can stick and rep with us. Appreciate you guys being patient. I know... um, I got a lot of stuff on social media, folks going, dude, where's the podcast? Where's it been? It's been a couple of weeks. We've played three games. You haven't done a podcast. My bad. Um, Give you a quick update of where I am life-wise, why I have not been able to get stuff done. Uh, Many of you may notice, if you follow me at John Michaels U, that I am now back doing local morning radio here in Atlanta. 680 The Fan. You could download the 680 The Fan app. We always say tap that app, take us on the go. It's myself, former Falcons wide receiver Brian Finneran, and Sandra Golden. We do 6 to 9 a.m. So I'm up at like 4 o'clock every morning. I leave the radio station. I actually still have a quote-unquote second job, which has me work until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. By the time I get home, it's take care of the kids, cook dinner, go to the gym, uh, hang out with the wife. I look around, I go, holy shit, it's 10 o'clock. It's too late to do a podcast. Uh, Many of you may have noticed the Heat made it to the NBA Finals, so I was up late every night watching those games. And oh, by the way, uh, the station I work for is the flagship of the Atlanta Braves. We made it all the way to Game 7 of the NLCS. So no excuses. Um, I'll be honest, I was choosing sleep over coming downstairs and doing a podcast. But I'm going to get back on the regular action at least a couple of times a week like we had this thing rocking and rolling. What's happened since the last time I did a podcast? Well, Miami's went 2-1, and one, which is the positive. Two wins against Virginia and Pitt. They weren't pretty. They weren't great. They weren't anything. But their wins against inferior opponents where the team in 2018, 19, 16, 14, 12, you pick a fucking year, we lost all of those games along the way. Obviously, we lost to Clemson 42-17. to 17. I was there. Me and my youngest son, Kane, made the trip. It's about 85 miles from my house 
to uh, Memorial Stadium there in Clemson, South Carolina. We drove up, watched the game. Obviously did not go very well. Ran into a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of cool Canes fans. Hang out with my boy uh, Brad Tejeda, uh, my boy Co. You heard them on the last podcast we did right before then. We actually were hanging out before the game uh, down there. Shout-outs to Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, Manny Diaz, Steve Fields, um, all the different guys that were stopping and dapping up. Mike Rumpf, I know there's some of you guys that don't like him. Coach Rump came over and had a good conversation with all of us uh, just about football and everything else. Um, and I want to start with that game um, because I was there and I sat literally two rows behind the bench on the 40-yard line. It was awesome to go to a game in Clemson with only 19 or 18,000 people there because there was plenty of room for me to spread out and just kind of sit and relax. The shitty part, it fucking rained and we were soaked and Miami played their worst game of the year and it wasn't even close. What we realized in that game, Miami ain't on that level and we've got a ways to go to get on that level. Part of it, both of our lines of scrimmage did not win the game. Our linebackers had awful recognition and our DBs in the screen game. And Travis Etienne's uh, arguably the best player we'll play all year. It might be the second best because the best player is Trevor Lawrence, the guy that's quarterback in that football team. Clemson's a different animal. Dabo Sweeney's had that thing at national title contention level now for what? seven, eight straight years where they're playoff contenders, ACC champs, and there's nobody really close to them. What I was mad at, and I said this on Hockman and Crowder, and I had people that tried to tell me what I saw with my own eyes was wrong. And talk to Brad, talk to Co, because I told them specifically, I said, look at the body language of our kids. When we went down seven to nothing, and unfortunately Quincy Roche was offsides by about three helmet worths um, on a fourth down play that Miami would have got off the field and stopped Clemson. Those kids came off the field and the offense was kind of hanging their head. And then the first play of the offensive series, you have De'Eric King get sacked. Uh, or wasn't even sacked. They ran zone read and Clemson's players just completely confused. Not only De'Eric King, but our offensive line. And they were able to get us a tackle for a loss. And you saw the body language of the kids really look like, I don't think we can win this game. And again, I couldn't hear all the way. I'm sure they heard me because I was yelling, pick your heads up. You're Miami. It's seven to nothing. It's not over. And I really thought there were a couple of points in that game that we had a chance to get back in it and just didn't capitalize. You obviously get the punt block return for a touchdown right at the end of the half to make it 21 to 10. So as piss poor as Miami had played in the first half, all of a sudden you're sitting and looking and you're going, "All right, we're only down 11 points and we get the ball to start the second half, we got a chance." If my memory serves me correct and I was a little liquored up. Actually, no I wasn't. I didn't drink anything that game because I had my 10 year or 11 year old with me and I got there late enough where I couldn't get over to Tiger Town and get any drinks cuz we had to park like a mile and a half down the road in some cow pasture. And, and by God, Clemson, you know, great football team. Why the hell would I ever go there? Like, that thing is in the middle of nowhere. And I got to tell you a true story driving up there. So you get off I-85 going north from Atlanta. You get off, there's a Clemson exit. I hit Waze because I was trying to meet Brad and Co. over at Tigertown. But I got there late. They were already in the stadium by the time I got there because, you know, quite frankly, I was in no rush. I didn't want to sit in the rain. I had my 11-year-old with me. So it wasn't like I could really just go sit in a bar and get boozed up. But I did want to have a drink or two before I got in there. Long story short, Waze, I guess, took me off the beaten path for a quicker way to get over to Tigertown, and I promise on my kids, like, I can't make this shit up. 
We're driving down this road. It's like five in the afternoon. It's still bright light outside. And I look over, and there's this country bumpkin standing on the side of the road, full camo, no car, no nothing. He wasn't broken down. Literally just standing on the side of the road with a shotgun. And my son Kane looks at me and goes, Dad, does, does he have a gun? Yes. So I don't know if this guy was hunting and accidentally walked out on the road. I don't know if he was looking for my aunt. Like, I have no idea what this dude was doing. But let's just say my Kia Stinger with Miami plates and Miami stickers on it did not slow down at all. Boom, I zoomed past there. Well, then you realize, and this is where, and for any of the college campuses right now that are allowing fans back on the campus and being able to go to games and stuff, I get it that you normally have reserved parking for people that are paying a lot of money to go there. But why do you make visiting fans park a mile away, literally in a dirt pasture? Like, I was on dirt road, um, down some hill. We knew it was going to rain. Sure enough, it rains. Like, I offered people cash. Like, dude, I just want to park on cement. So after the game, I don't have to ruin my brand new Adidas, which luckily I didn't wear the orange ones. I wore uh, my black Ultra Boost that I had gotten from All Canes a while back. Point being, I ended up walking through a monsoon going back to my car. Mud everywhere. It was just disgusting. And I guess, again, that's Clemson, South Carolina. You're in the middle of fucking nowhere where a university just pops up out of trees. Beautiful campus, not going to lie to you. Beautiful stadium, great atmosphere, all that stuff. But by God, that place is in the middle of nowhere. To get back to the game, though, 21-10, and again, if my memory serves me correct, we get the ball first, we go three and out, we punt. And then we get the hustle play where we strip sack um, Trevor Lawrence, and all of a sudden you've got the ball at like the 35-yard line. Miami picks up a first down, and then on first down they try to hit D. Wiggins in the corner. And my boy Roman Kane did a great job breaking it down. It's the correct read from De'Eric King. The problem is D. Wiggins trips or whatever. He doesn't fight for the ball. You know, he just allows himself to get bullied out of the way. He had the defensive back beaten by a step or two. King didn't have a lot of room to put it any deeper. He throws it out of the back of the end zone. But as a receiver, you've got to realize I stop, I put my foot in the ground, and I go high point it. And what ends up happening then, if you stop and put your foot in the ground and go up and the DB runs through you, it's pass interference. You're going to get a 15-yard and first down. From that point on, the game was over. Once we didn't score to make it 21-17 and really stress them at all, they kicked our ass. And when you look at the final stats, Clemson's a better football team. They rattled De'Eric King. They beat the shit out of our offensive line. Our run game outside of King scrambling some was completely non-existent. And you look around with that, and lo and behold, you lose 42-17 to and fall out of the top 10. I never really thought we were the seventh best team in the country, but after watching that game, I absolutely knew we weren't the seventh best team in the country. What I did realize at that point, though, Miami has the athletes to play with anybody. They do. The problem is, and this is just me being a fan, but also being somebody that's been around this game a long time, watching there is not a belief yet that they can go compete with those teams. I could see that on the field, that those kids did not believe that they could compete with Clemson. Yeah, they were doing the false bravado. They were talking shit during the game. They were popping collars. You know, when they got the turnover chain, they ran over and they were having a, a good time with that. But I don't know that there was a true belief once they started not being able to move the football that they could win. A couple other things from that game. 
Rhett Lashley got his ass kicked. Brett Venables took his lunch and told him he was taking his lunch and his girlfriend. Derek King looked like a kid that wasn't ready to play at that level. Our offensive line went back to being mortal. Before that game, I think they had given up one sack. They've given up like 10 or 11 sacks in the last three games since then. And our D-line played hard but never really could affect the game. Misfits in the run. They did not tackle well. You know, the defensive backs, I'll be honest, Frankie Ladson dropped what would have been another touchdown. It could have been 52-10. to 10. Clemson kicked our ass, and there's no two ways about it. But when I left that game, I said, you know what? As mad as I am, because I'm mad anytime Miami loses, as mad as I am that Miami lost, I looked at the rest of the schedule and I said, there's not a team that we play that's within three touchdowns of the Clemson Tigers. If we can handle our business, we'd have a chance to run the table. When we get back after a word from Indeed, we'll talk more about the games against Pitt and Virginia and where the program's going right now. All right, guys, even though sports had a break, your business didn't, and you have to keep moving. That's what makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people, and they get them to you fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause it at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools that makes your search content that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 75% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each, each month. Indeed is going to get you hires that you need. They have had this for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions may apply. Offer valid through December the 31st. So you look at the game against Clemson. Obviously, it didn't go well and you lose the football game. But what I wrote, and I wrote this at stateoftheu.com a while back, maybe during the summer, I said the biggest thing that Miami needs to stop doing is losing to the teams that they have no business losing to. So I looked at the schedule directly after uh, the Clemson game. And you look, and it's a home game against Pittsburgh, and it's a home game against the University of Virginia. And when I saw those two games, I go, okay, these are games that we absolutely should win. Pittsburgh plays really good defense, but their offense is pretty pedestrian. Virginia is not the same football team that they were a year ago when they went to the ACC championship game. And the Miami Hurricanes did exactly that. Pitt game was ugly. You know, Pitt's defensive line kicked our ass much like Clemson's did. Running game didn't really get going. Rhett Lashley and company had to, uh, you know, really depend on the big plays. They twice hit basically the same play where De'Eric King faked like he was running quarterback draw, pulled back once he hits Cam Harris down the middle of the field, next time he hits Will Mallory down the middle of the field, and they come away with a 31-19 victory. Honestly, it was De'Eric King's worst game. It was probably even worse than Clemson because he threw a couple of interceptions that directly resulted in 10 Pittsburgh points. Panthers really didn't move the ball. They ran the ball for 22 yards. Their passing game was hit or miss. But for the most part, you know, Miami was never really stressed that they were going to lose the game. There was never a point that I was looking at that I thought the Hurricanes would lose the game. We're better than Pitt. We took care of business. Uh, the spread was 10.5 if you got it early. So if you were like me, you won some coin on the Canes. They covered the spread, and all was good. 
So, you know, Miami moves to four and one at that point, and you feel, okay, you feel pretty good about yourself right there. Then you move on to last week against Virginia, and maybe for the first time all year, I felt like the Canes underachieved in a game. I felt like the Canes really played down to their opponent, and I thought there were times that they were confused both offensively and defensively. So if you look at it just from a surface value, you win 19-14, to 14, uh, not great. Not exactly what you wanted. You scuffled on offense. You had 450 yards of offense. The problem was you just could not get the ball in the end zone. You had to settle for field goals when you had chances to put the football game away, and you could not get it done. I go back through the probability throughout the game. Probability never dropped below 67% for Miami. So Miami always had a high probability to win the football game, and I never really felt that I was stressed that they were going to lose the game. 1914, the final, De'Aaron King over 300 yards through the air. Mike Harley, who was called out uh, along with all the other receivers, steps up 10 catches, 170 yards, and a touchdown. But what I saw on social media was fans going, oh, we suck, oh, we barely won, this, that, and the other. Some of you are some soft-ass people. Some of you, I can't imagine what your real lives are like if on Saturday you can't sit back for three hours and try to have fun. And I know we've got a group text on Twitter with a whole bunch of guys that are big Miami fans. And there are times I bitch on there. I bitch of, how the fuck did we drop that ball? What the hell was that play call? But at the end of the day, when Miami wins a football game, the only thing I care about is that Miami won the football game. For 17 years, 18 years, I can't say 17. I guess you could go from 2005 on. For 15 years, this has been a losing-ass program. It's been a middle-of-the-road, mediocre-ass program who has a great history. So any of the years that they've won games, whether it was 2013 when they started 7-0, and whether it was 2017 when we started 10-0, and whether it was Mark Rick's first team that was 4-0 and and then went five straight to finish the year, all of those felt to me a little bit fraudulent. 2013, remember that year, we play Wake Forest and they do those funky-ass splits all over the field and Al Golden, his dumbass buddy Mark D'Onofrio, could never figure that shit out. Like they did, they had their linemen spread out like they were playing flag fucking football and our dumbasses are lining up outside of their linemen and they just had natural running lanes and we somehow win the game. We go play that awful North Carolina team on a Thursday night and Eric Ebron ends up being the ninth overall pick because he goes against Mark D'Onofrio and company. So at 7-0, and I think we all realize like this team ain't very good and then Florida State exposed them, Duke Johnson gets hurt, they end up losing four more games. 2017, and I wrote this today at State of the U, it was euphoric to be 10-0. and Like, I, when, you, when we beat Notre Dame 41-8, I said, holy shit, Miami might really be back. But when you really go back and look at that season, we were trailing Toledo at one point in the first half. We needed a miracle to beat Georgia Tech. You need the long throw to Daryl Langham to beat a, a shit Florida State team. You know, you're down 24-14 in the second half to Virginia. There were a lot of moments where you looked and go, man, this team's not very good. The problem was, and I, I know this is probably the biggest fan you guys know, when we demolished Virginia Tech and Notre Dame on back-to-back weeks, all the rest of the shit went out the window. At that point, I go, holy shit, Miami can win a national title. And we could have. Injuries to Amon Richards and Chris Herndon and other guys really sapped the effectiveness of the team. But that was a really good team. 
But there were a lot of moments in that year that we felt fraudulent. It felt like we needed a miracle to win, specifically against inferior competition. This year doesn't feel that way. I never was stressed against UAB. I never was stressed against Louisville. We demolished Florida State. Pitt was cruise control. Remember, we take a knee at the end of the game and have opportunities to score again. And even Virginia, when they make it 19-14, I thought there was some dumb clock management by Miami. Manny Diaz did some idiotic things. But I never felt stressed that we were going to lose that game. Now, again, I'm not saying we're a national title contender. I never have said that. But I look at the rest of this year's schedule and I go, why can't we win out? North Carolina State, they're going to be starting a backup quarterback. And I get it. We've made backup quarterbacks look like Joe fucking Montana. But it's NC State's not good. They give up almost 350 yards on the ground to North Carolina. We play Wake Forest. We lose to Wake Forest. Manny Diaz can leave right then and his band of merry men. You know, Virginia Tech's going to be tough, but if you watch them this week, they're very human. They don't play great defense. They do run the ball really, really well now that Hendon Hooker's back at quarterback. They've got a dual threat back there, and our defense will have to come to play. Uh, We get Georgia Tech. I live in Atlanta, and we're part of the Georgia Tech flagship. I love Coach Collins. He's a great guy. They lost 73-7 to Clemson, and they hand the football over like cookies. Like, they're literally handing the football out like it's Halloween candy. Yeah, they beat Florida State. That's awesome. Yeah, they beat Louisville. They got their ass kicked by BC. They got demolished by Clemson. And Central Florida went up and down the field. Miami shouldn't lose that game. That brings you to December 5th. That's your season. I'm here to tell you, you win that game, you're going to the ACC championship game. Miami's not going to lose before then. But my point to this is, why can't our fan base ever enjoy anything? Like, you guys just don't want to be happy that Miami is winning football games. I get it. It's not perfect. I get it. We struggle. You know, I get it that, you know, this is not the Miami of the 1980s, 90s, or early 2000s. I hate to tell you guys, those days are probably never coming back. We're, I think, at our best, a team that can tend for a national title about once every five years. That'll be at our best. Now, again, the class of 21 may tell me to shut the fuck up and rebuild this program back to where we were. But until we learn to win again, we're never going to be that program until we learn to go to places like Death Valley and Clemson, South Carolina and compete. We're never going to be that program again. What I like so far is we're winning and we're beating the teams we're supposed to. Last year's team would have lost to Virginia, probably would have lost to Pitt. Hell, we may have lost to Florida. Say, who knows? Last year's team sucked. 2018, same thing. We went to Virginia and fucking turned the ball over like hotcakes. That team sucked. This year's team, I think the maturity of De'Aaron King, I think Rhett Lashley uh, having an influence on the offense, um, and, and guys getting called out and actually acknowledging it, I think this team has a chance to be 10-win good. I predicted them to go 10-1 and one before the year, and if you guys know me and you've listened to the podcast a lot, I'm not a fucking smile-in-your-face guy. I'm not a pom-pom guy. I'm a guy that keeps it real. I thought with the new offense we'd be better, and we are. We're averaging like 33 points a game. Last year we averaged like 25, 26 and this is against all ACC competition. We don't have a Bethune-Cookman. Or, or Think about last year. We scored 17 points against Central Michigan. 17. The Virginia game was really our worst offensive performance. And again, that was a game in the red zone that we just couldn't get it done. We've had two clunkers. Clemson, Virginia. Virginia's the one that bothers me. NC State, I think we bounce back. I've got to address something when we get back, though, because I heard something out of an upperclassman that pissed me the fuck off. 
Talk about that next year on the State of Miami pod. All right, guys, football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag that's blue wire all one word bet online your online sports book experts so the thing that pissed me off is what i saw from mike harley this week after his monster performance first of all that's the receivers we're looking for harley had a nice game i thought mark pope played pretty well you know d wiggins still obviously a struggle we had a lot of kids out during due to coronavirus or whatever reason whether it was contract uh, contact tracing or whatnot but harley stepped up huge 10 catches a buck 70 a touchdown made contested catches did everything he could really to get this thing going but what i saw on monday really pissed me off and it's something that you continue to want to eradicate out of this group and it's not just that group it's the team it's the cancer that manny diaz has talked about for time and memoriam since he's been as a as a coach at miami here's the problem how are you an upperclassman and said ah as receivers we just did the bare minimum We just did enough to get by. Do you really think you're good enough for that? Because you're not. No disrespect to Mike Harley or Mark Pope. You guys are undersized receivers that are going to fight, scratch, and claw to make an NFL roster. I'm not talking about play. Just to make a 53. Hell, I think those guys are going to struggle to make a practice squad. So if you want to make it to the next level, and I think anybody that's playing Division I college football, that's your goal is to potentially get a shot at the NFL level. How does it come out of your mouth, or how does it come out of your effort or lack thereof, that legitimately you are just doing the bare minimum? They've always said practice makes perfect. And if you watch the U documentaries, or you watch Najee Davenport's The U Reloaded, they always talked about the work that they put in. Whether it was Ed Reed or Santana Moss or Reggie Wayne or Dan Morgan or Brett Romberg or any of those guys from that rebuild. Any of those guys, and hell, you can go back, and I've talked to my dog Warren Sapp. I've talked to Michael Irvin. I've talked to, you know, you name it, a Miami player. I've probably had him on my program at one time or another, Gino Toretta. And they always talked about the work that they put in. They always talked about the work that they did on Green Tree and how Saturdays were easy. Michael Irvin, you know, the the story is well told of him after practice throwing on a 25-pound weight vest and running routes. They always talked about the, you know, the the sand pit, the notorious sand pit, and Tommy Moffat damn near killing some of these players as they're out there in the blazing South Florida sun putting their body through everything. That's what made Miami great. And now I've got a senior receiver saying we were just going through the motions. I don't know about you guys, but that pisses me off. And it's not Mike Harley. It's the culture of what the program has become. And I know Manny's trying to eradicate it. I know he's brought in coaches that are pushing these kids, whether it's Coach Lashley, whether it's Stephen Field, whether it's Garen Justice, whether it's Rob Likens. You know, these guys are pushing these guys to be better. 
But there has to be a personal accountability with the players. There has to be a want to and a drive from the players to be better. And the better is I can't just go to practice for two hours, keep my starting job, and go out on Saturday and drop three balls and think that's acceptable. If you're a guy that's struggling to get off the jam, you need to be out there an hour after practice working on jam release, working on getting off the jam different ways, working on setting up a defensive back maybe with an outside or an inside release to run the route that you want to run. That's what needs to happen. And that's what's no longer happening at Miami. And Mike Harley told you that. And the fact that it took, he literally said, I, we heard the outside noise from social media and media and everything else. I get it. You're 18 to 22 years old. And these kids, let's be honest, their life is on their phone and social media. I deal with a teenage daughter right now. It's the same thing. Her phone is attached to her. She can't go three minutes without being on the phone. Hell, I'm a 45-year-old that works in sports. I can't go three minutes without being on my phone. Like, I have to be on my phone doing different things. Like, seriously, I have to. That's just how it goes when it comes to to my life. I'm always doing something on my phone. But it shouldn't take social media and outside pressure to make a Miami Hurricane football player want to be better. The problem that's happened over the past 18 years is kids get there and put the U on their helmet and they feel that they're better. They feel that they're Clemson. They feel that they're Alabama. We're not. And if we don't improve between now and September next year, when you open the season in Atlanta, and I'll be at the game and everybody that comes up here, we're all going to hang and bang and drink and do all that different stuff. We're going to get our ass kicked in the opener if we don't change the way that we get ready. You think Alabama gives a shit that you wear the U? Do you think Clemson gives a shit that we wear the U? They don't. They looked at us and laughed. I was standing down literally on the goal line while Clemson players were warming up, and they just kept walking over throwing the U upside down. They were throwing it down. They had no respect for us. They laughed at us. You know why? Because we're big and tough talking shit, but we haven't put in the work to be a better program. That's what needs to happen. Keep beating the teams that you're supposed to beat. That's step number one. But that should be like a given. Miami should only be losing to the Virginias and the Pitts of the world about once every 10 years, once every eight years. Let's be real there. Clemson doesn't lose to those. I get it. They lost to Pitt in 2016. They lost to Syracuse in 2017. But for the most part, Clemson mud stomps all of those programs. Miami needs to get back to that. But what needs to be step number one, and it needs to be ingrained in these kids' head, is when you get to Miami, it's just the beginning. Now you need to go tap into Dan Morgan. Talk to Roscoe Parrish. Call, you know, Jeremy Shockey or Bryant McKinney. Find out what they did to work their ass off to be better football players. Once you do that, then the games against NC State will be laughers. Then the games against, you know, Pitt and Duke will be laughers. And once they're laughers, you'll get to be competing with Clemson for a national title. You'll get to be playing the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States of the world. We're not far away. I'm not some sunshine pumper, but we're not far away. Talent is getting back to Coral Gables. We need a fucking work ethic to get there as well. 
Appreciate everything. Check out my boy Stickers by AB. He's got the dope shit going right now. Uh, follow us at John Michaels U. That's my regular page on Twitter. Uh, it's where I'm at on Instagram as well. And follow the show page at State of Miami Pod. We'll be back before the North Carolina State game. Until then, have a great one. See ya. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.